Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 117. For many of us, Royal Caribbean is the cruise line of choice that we've come to love and go back to time and time again. But there may be times you wonder about how the competition stacks up, and I know it's tempting to take a peek over that proverbial fantasy, just how green the grass really is. So this week, we're going to have a great comparison between Royal Caribbean and Carnival Cruise Line with one of our listeners who just tried her very first Royal Caribbean cruise. I think it's a great view of how the cruise lines differ and what each cruise line does exceptionally well. Here we go. When selecting a cruise, Royal Caribbean or otherwise, often people are curious how the competition stacks up. After all, there are a lot of cruise lines out there vying for our business, and I know that I get a lot of questions from podcast listeners all about how Royal Caribbean compares to other cruise lines out there. And this week, we're lucky enough to be joined by Royal Caribbean blog listener Anna Blake, who is back from her first Royal Caribbean cruise on Independence of the Seas. Now, Anna is a veteran of numerous carnival cruises, and you know what? I think she qualifies as someone who definitely can talk about the differences between the two, having now uh, tried out a Royal Caribbean cruise. So this week, we're going to compare Royal Caribbean to Carnival Cruise Line and share where each line excels. My hope is that this will give everyone listening some insight into the differences and similarities between the cruise lines, and like everything on this podcast, hopefully help you have a better cruise experience. So Anna, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Absolutely. I love that you sent me an email. And by the way, for anyone who's interested in coming on the podcast, that's all you have to do. Just send me an email and say, hey, I'm so-and-so, and you know I'm going on a cruise. And, and Anna sent me an email uh, not too long ago saying that you were going on a carnival cruise. And we've done actually a comparison episode a little while ago comparing Disney Cruise Line to Royal Caribbean. And obviously, Carnival Cruise Line is a big competitor for Royal Caribbean. They mm-hmm. are, in fact, they're number one and two in the cruise market, respectively. So oh, wow. clearly, yeah, clearly a lot to discuss here. So give us a little bit of background for yourself, Anna. You've done a number of, of a number of uh, Carnival Cruises, rather? Yes. Um, I did. I started in college, um, and I went a lot with girlfriends. We'd take a little trip, um, spring break, after graduation, things of that nature. And I forced my husband to go on his first cruise uh, about two years ago. And he was really reluctant, but loved it. And uh, we've been on a couple since then, but uh, I'd always really wanted to do Royal. Like that was something that we just couldn't financially afford. You know, we were, you know, we're, we're solidly mid twenties and we're both, um, we both work for the state. So our finances has been a large contributor and why we hadn't done Royal yet, but, um, we were finally able to, uh, make this dream of doing our first Royal Caribbean cruise a reality. So why was not, not that I'm, I'm, I'm opposed to it, but why was your Royal Caribbean cruise a dream for you? What, what kind of drew you to the line? Well, I had, honestly, I think the ships, I mean, the ships just looked amazing. I mean, there just looked like so much to do on them. And it was one of those things that I had had seen people through Facebook who had been on Royal cruises and the ships looked beautiful and they always were having fantastic times. And I, that was always one of those things like someday I, I will have enough in the bank that I can do a Royal cruise. And we were very lucky that we were able to do that. Nice. All right, so you've and just for comparison's sake, folks out there maybe who want to you know understand your your background, can you give us rattle off a couple of carnival ships that you've been on just so we have an idea of what we're talking about here in terms of comparisons? 
I believe I've been on Carnival. I know one of them, like a Carnival Fantasy, Carnival Imagination, Carnival Ecstasy, Carnival Elation. A lot of those have been in the same class. Actually, Mm -hmm. what we've got, if you want to go to our website, royalcaribbeanblog.com, in our show notes, we've got a great breakdown that Anna's uh, created here between basically different categories and which cruise line she thought did better so there's obviously royal caribbean or carnival and, and kind of a, some comments there so it's really actually very helpful and if you're considering it as well i highly recommend checking it out so just go to royalcaribbeanblog.com go to the show notes for this episode and check that out there so we're gonna go we're gonna go down category by category anna here and okay. you we're i'll give you the category you tell us which cruise line you thought did better and and why and kind of explain it a little bit so let's start with the one that it sounds like drew you to the cruise line mm-hmm. entertainment this was an obvious answer. Royal did fantastic. They had significantly more options and more variety. There, I mean, you know, on the other carnival ships I'd been on, there'd always be like a music and some dancing kind of shows every night. And they, they did have comedians. But on Royal, it was always something different, whether it was acrobats or whether it was, oh, they had some impressionist guy come in one night, whether it was more traditional singing and dancing, whether it was, I mean, everything was different. And, oh, not including the ice shows, which our group just loved. Um, <laughs> I mean, there was just, there was significantly more options, more variety in what we had, and th- that made it significantly more enjoyable. Nice. That sounds like it's a, it's pretty much a slam dunk in your opinion. Yes, there was there was no question. And I, I knew that that was a big thing for me as I, I, I believed that Royal had more options in that area. And that drew me to it, definitely. All right, let's move on to everyone's favorite topic, the thing that everyone, no one can agree on, food. <laughs> We've got, you've broken it down in two categories, main dining and quick service. So uh, how, did, how did everybody fare here? Um, well, my... The main dining, I had listened to other podcasts you had done, Matt, and you had always described the food in the main dining room as somewhere between like fair to good to like pretty, like excellent, you would say, um, somewhere around that range. But we found that food in the main dining room was consistently excellent. It was very, very tasty. Um, and this something was also, we, we found very interesting is that, um, Carnival had a lot more dishes we were familiar with, a lot more kind of like basic stuff you'd get at like a, you know, like a O'Charlie's or like an Applebee's or something like that. Sure. Um, and Royal had a lot more options that were unique, stuff hmm. that we hadn't heard of, that we hadn't tasted. Um, and it really, yes, yes, that was available every night. <laughs> um and that really encouraged us to go out of our comfort zone. And I think that was part of why we enjoyed the food so much. Because, you know, if you think about food that everybody's familiar with, you know, everybody's mama makes the best fried chicken. So <laughs> you're going to, if you taste someone else's fried chicken, you're going to compare it to what you've known. But for things that are new, like if it tastes good, that's what you're going off of. And so we really appreciated the food, you know, on, on Royal, I think that, you know, I understand, and you always say food is always subjective, but overall, this wasn't just me. This was me, my husband, and both of the, our friends who we were traveling with. All of us thought the food was superior significantly. 
Nice. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad I you it exceeded your expectations, which is always good. Yes, yes, but that's in slight contrast to the more like what I'd call like quick service food. Okay. Um, specifically the wind jammer. I actually gave the edge to Carnival on that one. Okay. Um, mostly I think because they had higher quality in kind of both taste and variety. Royal seemed to have pretty much the same food options in the wind jammer most days. Um, and the uh, on Carnival, I found that they would have kind of more themed days. Uh, and that kind of pushed the boundary of what was available and gave you a couple more options to try in the Windjammer, um, which I, I, I kind of appreciated and I kind of missed. Um, and the breakfast was always fine. The one thing, my husband, he loves bacon and eggs in the morning. That is his thing. Yeah. He could not eat eggs on the Royal Caribbean ship. He could wow. not. Did he eat the did, did he eat the the mass produced ones that won the buffet or did you go to the omelet station? Both. We tried okay. the omelet station. We tried the mass produced ones. We also we we ate in the dining room a lot for breakfast. Oh. They came. They were bright orange. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. That'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So that was that was his complaint. So I okay. I, I kind of gave the edge to Carnival on that one, but um, okay. but it, slightly. I it's still the food in the Windjammer was decent. It was definitely acceptable. Yep, absolutely. Now this is an interesting one: embarkation, debarkation. Talk about what this means exactly and and how you rated it. Well, I wanted to look at what was the process of getting on the ship and. I originally had broken that up into embarkation and debarkation, but I found that both of the processes were so similar, you know, the, uh, between the two lines, I actually really didn't have a preference between the two of them. I mean, it seemed to be the same, the way Carnival got you on the ship and the way Royal got you on the ship. Um, there was one interesting thing though, Mm -hmm. was that Royal seemed much less concerned with security. In what way? Uh, well, in two ways. One of those was, so Carnival, like, you had to go through, you know, the same, like, scanner, same things you do at the airport. Um, but they, like, would also, like, go through your bags if you were brought water bottles or wine. I mean, they would, like, examine them. Um, but they didn't do that at all. Like, they didn't do that at all with any of the liquids that our group brought in. Um and that, that's I, liquids in your carry-ons, right? Yes, liquids in our yeah. carry-on. Yeah, that's not surprising. I've had that experience too, quite a number of times. In fact, I've often so the one of the rules that Royal Caribbean has is you can bring two bottles of wine on with you. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure no one in security has ever checked that I've brought. Oh, Matt Hotchberg has brought two bottles of wine. Like, there's no yeah. checkbox. So yeah. I could have I could have easily not. I've never done it, but I could have easily gone on board, dropped my my, my two bottles of wine, gotten <laughs> back off board, gone to the liquor store, getting two more bottles, and repeated the process a couple different times and. You know, I don't do that because I don't really think it's necessary. But um, the thing, I will, add, I will add though that if you mm-hmm. if you do bring in the drinks, be it be it soda, be it, be it water, or obviously alcohol in your in your checked luggage, boy, they flag you down in a heartbeat. Uh, that happened to us on our last cruise on Freedom of the Seas. I got sent uh, my wife's luggage got sent to the naughty room, and I had to go retrieve oh. it <laughs> uh, because we had we had bottles of water in there for mm-hmm. for our daughter. They didn't care. Once that was water, they opened it up and said, "Oh, it's water." Okay, which is yeah. interestingly in stark contrast to Royal Caribbean's rule because Royal mm-hmm. Caribbean strictly says you cannot bring water and soft drinks onto the ship. 
they could not have cared less that we had water on board. They just they sent me packing with my water and said, have a good day. So You know, I, have, I, I found the same thing because Carnival allows you to bring 12 either bottles of water, like a water or um, soda. Uh, and they also have the same rules about wine. Um, yep. But Royal doesn't, yeah, Royal kind of says no water, no nothing. But I had found a lot of other sites online where people were like, I brought in water and it was fine. And we brought in water and they didn't care. Hmm. Um, and the other thing that was odd when it, when I, that really kind of made me think twice was the security. Like, so when you check, you know, you have your set sale pass, I think that's what it's called. And, um, you know, all your documentation and, I had just found realized two days before that the name on my passport did not match my legal name. I hadn't gotten my passport name changed when I got married. And luckily I had my marriage license and I had my birth certificate. And so they, they were like, Oh, that's fine. But I had brought the passport anyway, way by the time I'd figured that out. And I just handed the guy my passport. And in both cases, both when we were going through security and then we were when we were actually at the desk checking in, and they didn't even notice that my last name wasn't the same. Hmm. I can only tell you that that's weird. (laughs) (laughs) I've had similar experiences with airlines. Like sometimes, you know, they ask for proper documentation about other things, like our daughter specifically. You know, mm-hmm. and then certain proof of, you know, I don't know, not ownership, but, you know, <laughs> proof of age and all that kind of stuff. And sometimes right. they're just like, whatever, go on through. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I, I don't know how to explain it, but yeah, I'm not surprised to hear that. Yeah. Um, all right. And one so, thing someone had pointed out to me was they had yes. said, you know, Carnival is known for being a little bit more of a party line. Mm-hmm. And it may be that Carnival is more used to people like trying to sneak stuff in and oh. Royal doesn't have that with their customers as much. So that may be, at least for the water and the wine, that may have been one of the factors. Okay. Uh, We're going to skip ahead to some of these. I want to hit the major ones here, make sure we have time for everything. Uh, And of course, Anna's got a great breakdown of just pretty much everything you could possibly imagine on a cruise ship and kind of what her thoughts are between the two lines. Uh, How about the stateroom? That's a big one. Um, Staterooms. Royal hit the mark on that one. Despite the fact that it was 30 square feet smaller, the staterooms on Royal were significantly much better designed. Like there was more storage. There was more places for everybody to sit. Oh, I have to tell you the bathroom on Carnival. It's, it's a sink with no counters. And for a woman who's got hair things and, you know, makeup and everything, having counter space and cabinet space, was just a dream. Nice. <laughs> so despite well, you, the fact that it was smaller, it was it, the ones on Royal felt much more functional for the week. Good. Now this is kind of interesting. You have you broke down bars and then bartenders wait staff. And for bars you gave Royal Caribbean the edge, but for bartenders wait staff you gave Carnival the edge. How do you kind of talk about a little bit about that? Well, um, first and foremost, the bars on Royal felt much more like places that you could go and visit. Whereas at Carnival, they just felt like a place to stop and get a drink. Um, mm-hmm. It just was more like a, like a, like a literal bar, you know, whereas on Royal, I mean, it, they felt themed. They, they, they invited you to stay there, which was really fun. But surprisingly, overall, the 
staff on Carnival or the staff on um, Royal, I just we just didn't make a connection with anybody. Um, and none of our servers, none of our bartenders, um, none of that, uh, none of them just, which is odd because on all of my other cruises, we've made a connection with at least one person. Yep. Um, on the bar, t- uh, you know, whether it be a bartender or a, our waiter, but we just kind of, we just didn't make a connection. They didn't seem terribly interested in connecting with us. Hmm, that's too bad. I can only yeah. tell you that I've had cruises. There's definitely, it's, I've had, there's more of an ebb and a flow in my experience. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's, you know, you, you meet people and it's like, okay, it's, you know, it's fine, whatever. And sometimes you make, you know, you find your new BFF and the crew member somewhere and it, right. it's awesome. So, you know, I think that's just kind of part of the process. And uh, I, public, I, I oh, will ahead. agree with, on, with you on that one in the sense that I, I think we could have sat at another table and made a fun, fantastic connection. I, I, I don't hold that against Royal. Okay. How about public spaces? I think this was kind of an interesting one here. And you gave Royal Caribbean the edge here. I did. Um, the design of the ship, oh my gosh, significantly better on Royal. It's Everything seems so well thought out and just very aesthetically pleasing. For mm-hmm. example, Carnival also has like a late night pizza place on all of their ships. Sure. Well, on Royal, it actually felt like you were in like a New York style pizza parlor. Like there was some effort to like make that space special. <laughs> Whereas on Carnival, it's just kind of like a counter in the back of the windjammer. Yeah. It's just, you know, like yeah, everything seemed much more inviting. I, I really appreciated that. Cool. How about the onboard activities? This is obviously another thing you mentioned in the top of the show. You were drawn to Royal Caribbean for, you know, you felt like the ship offered a lot to do. <laughs> So how did the onboard activities stack up for you? No, oh, there there were almost so many it was overwhelming because <laughs> there was <laughs> this almost this pressure to like, oh my gosh, I have to do all the things and I don't like have time to do all the things and relax. I mean, there were just there was so much to do for anybody. There was, you know, your typical cruise favorites, but there was also like fun and unique stuff. Like we did, and I should say one. Harry Potter trivia, um, you know, there were special events at the bars, there were other unique activities just in addition to, you know, the flow rider and the walk rock wall and other just things that drew me to this line in general. I mean, Royal was just clearly superior. So you can totally understand why I have never done the rock climbing wall yet. There's just the, 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 yes. The slew of stuff just is like it's it's not. I hate to say, use the word overwhelming, but it's just you know you get there's so much going on that it's easy to overlook something. Oh yes, and that that was for us as we just kept being like, oh, we're going to do it, but we want to do this other thing first. Yeah. And, <laughs> oh, you know, uh, no. I, to be fair, we didn't do the rock wall either. We just yeah, ran out of time. Did you do the flow rider? No, we ran out of time for that too, and I was so looking <laughs> forward to that. I'm I like kicking myself in the head that we didn't do that, but we just. We just had so much to do and, and at the same time trying to relax. How about the spa fitness center? Well, I'm going to be honest. We are semi-broke 20-somethings. So we, <laughs> on either line, had never actually been to the spa and experienced the spa. Um, so I can't comment specifically on which one is better. But the one thing that I gave Royal the Edge in is that um, – there was a separate entrance to the gym. The gym was actually separate from the spa on Royal, which made it less awkward because on Carnival, all the ships I've been on, 
the gym is in the back of the spa. So you have to like walk in and like walk by people's treatment rooms and um, kind oh, of gosh. awkwardly navigate your way around and be like, I'm supposed to be here. Like I'm supposed to, you know, I'm trying to go to the gym. Huh. So I appreciated that. How about the pools? Um, pools are great. Uh, this kind of falls into my adult spaces as well is that I really appreciated that there was a separate pool for the adults in the solarium. That was amazing because it actually, I felt like I could go into the pools without being bombarded by children. Mm. Um, and I work in education, so I spend enough time around children and I kind of wanted a little, you know, I really appreciated that, that, that there was a thought to an adult pool and there was even, you know, on, on independence of the seas, you know, there's the H2O zone and there's the main pools and then there's the solarium. And it just felt like there were very separate spaces based on what you wanted to do as opposed to everyone congregating around the pool because that was the place to congregate around. It seems like there were very separate spaces based on your family's needs. And that I think made it feel much less crowded. Good. Glad to hear that. And the pools weren't saltwater. I don't know. That's something on all my carnival ships. The pools have been saltwater pools. Oh, well, there you go. Different space there. Yeah. Um, You gave for the, between the fun times and cruise compass, you basically said there was, it was another draw essentially. Yeah. I mean, the cruise compass was definitely more detailed, but sometimes it was like too much. And (laughs) and then, and sometimes I loved things I found on the cruise compass that carnival's fun times didn't have. So that was kind of a draw. Didn't really matter. So here's the interesting part. We're getting to the end here and you've got, if you've been keeping track at home, keeping score on your own scorecard, (laughs) the, so far Royal Caribbean is running away with it. I mean, there's only a couple, I think there's been one or two times, two times in fact, that I've Mm -hmm. seen where carnivals come out ahead. The last two, you gave carnival the edge overall cost and value. Talk about that and why you kind of went with to that side of things. This, I, I, it sounds very odd that Royal Caribbean is pretty much the winner in everything, but on these last two categories, I had to give it to Carnival. And I will be the first one to admit that that is from my unique perspective. Sure. Um, you know, we are, you know, newly married, just bought a house, 20-something. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, and And so are our friends. You know, they, all of us are not people who can afford trips like this frequently. Um, You know, so for us, this was a really big treat because this was a significantly higher cost than Carnival. This was significantly a higher cost. On Carnival, I've always managed to get away with pretty much steals. Like I somehow managed, you know, I've gotten deals and deals and deals and deals on Carnival where I've walked away and been like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I spent that much on a cruise. Like that's just, <laughs> that's just amazing. And it wasn't that way in Royal. Royal, we felt it, you know, we used the discounts we could, we did as much as we could, but we were still paying a significant amount of money for us. Sure. And when it comes to the value it really depends how you define value. And, and I, I, I hesitated to put this one on here, but I did want to end with the, there were so much to do on our ship. So much to do. And 
we, I was a little concerned about seasickness. So, mm-hmm. cause I've sometimes had issues with that in the past. So I picked a, um, trip where we had lots of days in port and I almost wish I hadn't because I feel like if I hadn't, I would have appreciated all the things to do on the ship more. You know, there was kind of a little bit of like, we didn't get our money's worth out of the ship because we weren't on the ship enough because we were in port exploring all these different places. I mean, it's, um, this is what, this is kind of how I'm, I'm going forward with it is that if I was on the ship more, I would definitely go for Royal. No question. If I was going to do something where I was wanting to be on the ship or, or if I wanted to do a longer trip, definitely. If I were going to do probably even five, six, seven days again, there would be no question I would do Royal. Um, I I I don't think you're the overall cost thing. I won't argue. And in fact, I I would definitely say that on average, you know, a carnival cruise is probably going to cost you in terms of base fare only. Mm -hmm. uh, It's going to cost you less on carnival. That's kind of always that's I think most people would agree in the kind of hierarchy. And that's how it kind of works itself out. Um, And I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just curious as to kind of the logic. I think it makes sense, though, in terms of what you're saying and kind of what you're looking at. I would be really curious what when you were describing everything, Anna, mm-hmm. I would be really curious to see your experience and how you would if you would change a lot of this uh, based on if you went on, say, a ship like I'm thinking like Enchantment of the Seas out mm-hmm. of Port Canaveral. It's going to be a shorter cruise. I, it, they only do three and four nighters. I know I think right. in Independence you did a little longer, but I'm wondering if that's kind of your your gateway cruise to the rest of Royal Caribbean and kind of, mm-hmm. that would be kind of, I think there's a lot, a little more comparison and, and similarities in that regard. And maybe it's like, you, like you said, you picked a cruise that had a lot to do. You picked independence of the seas, you know, because you were concerned about, you know, the seasickness and what have you. And it's a, you know, maybe it was a different, it, it lended itself to a different kind of experience. Not a bad one, just yes. different. No, not a bad one. Yeah. Um, but that's, good. I, was- I think this, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think it would be the ships that I've managed to be on with Carnival have all not been nearly in the same like category. And my thought was with Royal, I was like, go big or go home. And I went big <laughs> and we there had you a, fan, you know, and we had a fantastic time. And I mean, the, it was, oh, I mean, overall, I would recommend this cruise line to anybody. But when you're, uh, I just have to think about it from the perspective of, you know, we can't afford trips like this all the time. And the question is, if we're only going to be taking a three or four day cruise, I, I, I think I would consider maybe doing Carnival again, because if we're not going to be on the ship that long, Carnival is acceptable. Hmm. It's, you know, Royal would be superior. I'm, I'm fairly confident in that but i i my my one of my big questions was am i going to be spoiled by royal and never ever want to go back or (laughs) is it something where i'm uh, you know i could see it i could see it happening again and i could see it happening for a shorter cruise where i would expect less yeah well I'm hoping, Anna, that you are going to stay on our side of the fence and you're going to enjoy our cookies a little bit more and you'll be part of the, so. you'll be you'll be taking more Royal Caribbean cruises. I think you're really good at I think I think you do enjoy it. I understand where you're coming from, I think and, and I think you've explained it perfectly, in fact. I think a lot of our listeners are gonna understand kind of your uh background and kind of how you're approaching this, but I think, you know, obviously your experience in Independence Days was sounded like you had a great time and that's great. always uh, a good thing. And uh, I appreciate you all sharing all this information and helping us out here and giving us some insight between the two lines. I'm happy. I have one thing I do have to 
I do have to warn you about, dear. What's that? I tried a Labadoozy. Yes. I didn't love it. What? Why? You know, where's that band button? Hang on. <laughs> yeah, how could you not like a Labadoozy? Do you no keep be- your soul in a box somewhere? Is that is that the, is that the reason? Matt, I, I love <laughs> frozen drinks. You had yes. been talking it up. I was so excited. I knew I was going to love it. I didn't love it. Didn't love it. Well, that's okay, Anna. It's all right. It's. <laughs> It's there's more Labadoozies for me. That's all that I heard. So yes. it's fine. <laughs> I don't have to worry about you being in line in front of me. So that works no. out. So before I let you go, Anna, I got a couple of quick questions here. I want sure. to kind of to get a way to get you to know a little bit better. I'm going to ask you some quick questions about how you like to cruise and just tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. So the first question is favorite restaurant on a Royal Caribbean ship. If you didn't eat at any restaurants besides the main dining room or the Windjammer, that's fine. So favorite restaurant on any ship, Royal Caribbean or otherwise. Well, we're cheap, so we didn't eat any of the specialty restaurants. So I'm going to go with the main dining room, although I've heard Chops was delicious. We overheard some people saying Chops was quite delicious. Yes, Chops is amazing. Uh, Preferred drink while on a Royal Caribbean cruise? Ooh, I really like strawberry daiquiris. (laughs) It's a a classic. I I like fruity drinks. What can I say? (laughs) Favorite port of call to visit? Oh, Cozumel. We were, I was there for my third time. Third time, it was it was beautiful. Nice. What did you do in Cozumel, real quick? Just curious. Um, same shore excursion we've done every time. We've done them with Carnival before. It's mm-hmm. called Isla Pasión by Twister. Oh, you should do it. It's it's paradise. I will, I, I I will look into it. Third time doing it. Would do it fourth, fifth, seventh time. It's amazing. And lastly, favorite song on the radio or your iPhone today? Oh goodness. Um, well, especially after we've come back from this trip, there's a song called Bills. I got it. Who is Bill or Bill? Bills. Bills. Like oh, Bills. A, yes. Yeah. You know by the song? what are they? By the week? By weekend? Is that who it is, or is it someone else? His name is Lunch Money Lewis. Lunch. Yeah, I know it. I know it. <laughs> they play it on. They play it on hits one on Sirius XM. I do it all the time. I don't know why that's that's been popping up in my that's, head. Probably because I have bills I have to pay. <laughs> Yeah, I, I won't. I won't pretend to try to sing it. I can hear it in my head, but uh, I'll do everyone a favor by not trying to sing it. But I know exactly the song you're talking about. Oh, good, awesome, well, Anna. Thank you so much for joining us here and and sharing some insight. Thank you so much for having me. It was quite fun. A big thank you to everybody who's listening to this podcast, boy. I really appreciate everyone who's taking the time to listen and and be a part of the podcast because I love. Love, love that we get to talk Royal Caribbean every week. And, of course, I want to make sure I say also a really big thank you to the folks that are leaving us some reviews on iTunes. Of course, if you leave enough review on iTunes, I will be sure to read it on the air because, hey, it's a great way to supporting the podcast. And our review this week comes from Karen007, who writes, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and this one goes to the top of the playlist every time it comes out. Matt is extremely personable, informative, and entertaining. His enthusiasm is contagious. He perfectly balances being a Royal Caribbean superfan with the occasional critique. Thanks, Matt, and keep up the great work. Can't wait to meet you in person. Awesome, Karen. Thank you so much. And hopefully we'll get a chance to meet on a Royal Caribbean ship somewhere, right? Across the sea, by the wind, Jamer. <laughs> Maybe with a Labadoozy in hand. Who knows? Awesome. Well, we're going to be answering, of course, your listener emails. And we're going to start with an email from... Loretta Hayward writes, Dear Matt, a few weeks ago I asked for a recommendation of a nice spot on Freedom of the Seas where my son could propose to his girlfriend. You recommended the helipad. We checked it out during our first sea day. He proposed with all the family present on the helipad the morning we docked in Haiti. Everything went as planned and they were so happy with the location and pictures. 
Awesome. Well, I'm so glad to hear that. And actually, Laura sent me a photo, and it's very nice of, I guess, your fiancé now on one knee proposing. And boy, with Labadee in the background, to me, it sounds like perfect proposal ever. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Our next email comes from Mark Chemensky, who writes, regarding the question about using two credit cards for the woman and her sister, yes, you can use separate credit cards. Each person would check in with her own set sale pass instead of a single set sale pass for both of them together, and each set sale pass has its own credit card associated with it. I do this regularly while traveling with my friend. It works great. Thank you, Mark. Actually, Mark and a couple other folks, some of the people sent me a message on Facebook and Twitter, correcting me on this. So thank you all so much. I'm, I want to make sure we're getting the correct information out there. So thank you, Mark, and everyone for correcting. So if you want, you can have multiple credit cards per reservation. So that way you can split things up and you don't have to worry about splitting up the bill later. So good stuff. Thank you. Next, we have an email from, wow, Michael Poole, our good friend, who writes, Hi, Matt. I'm going on a Royal Caribbean cruise soon. And we're going to be stopping in Key West. And I've been there a couple of times, but I'm trying to thinking I might want to do something different. Have you ever visited Key West? And if so, do you recommend anything must-dos while in Key West? Uh-huh. Must-dos in Key West. This is a good question. I've been there a couple times. Never on a cruise, actually. I've just been there as, like, day trips or vacations, land vacations, that, you know, the, the other thing people tend to do. <laughs> and I've done a couple. Basically, my approach for Key West is it's a lot like cities like maybe San Juan or Nassau. It's more of a walking, self-guided walking tour. Key West is a very easy town to walk around. In fact, you're going to find there are very few cars in Key West. There are a lot of scooters and bicycles, and that's because it's a combination of there's not, it's not a very big area to begin with, and also gasoline can be somewhat expensive out there. So all that kind of combines for it. But the thing about Key West is you there are some basic tourist spots you should probably go see. There's this most southern point in the United States you can go to. It's cheesy tourism at its worst, but hey, everyone's got to take a photo there, right? They obviously have the bar scene going on, and that's that's a big deal. Really, the thing about Key West is, to me, you're either going to be doing stuff out on the on the water somewhere, or you're just going to be enjoying, essentially, you're exploring the city. It's interesting. I mean, beaches, obviously, are going to be a big part of it, since it is an island, or a key, technically. But I think, really, what Key West really lends itself to, and I've said really about five times in one sentence, that <laughs> starting to bother me. I don't know why I'm saying that. But anyway, um, I, I feel like Key West is a great town for exploring, going to bars, doing some shopping. They got some great shopping there, in fact. And probably, honestly, but I think what Key West really does best is when the sun goes down, which unfortunately is around the time your ship is going to be leaving. Certainly sunsets are a must-do in Key West, and your cruise ship is going to have a perfect spot for it. So you definitely have to make sure you check that out. But in addition, if you happen to be there later, if your cruise ship is going to be arriving or not leaving until you know maybe later in the evening or whatever the case may be, the nightlife is really where I think Key West comes alive and, and differentiates itself from, like, say, other Caribbean ports that you may be stopping at. Unfortunately, I'm not sure that's going to happen for your particular cruise, Michael, but that's kind of the thing. You know, to me, I just walk around and check out the history, and, and it's really a walking and exploring city as opposed to, say, a place where I'm going straight to the beach or maybe a place like in, in say, Europe where I'm doing a lot of cultural museums and that kind of thing. I think Key West is more of just a walking around and shopping, bar, eating kind of experience. I hope that makes some sense there. And of course, hey, if any of our listeners have any suggestions for what to do in Key West besides what I mentioned, I'd love to hear about that as well. Next up, we've got an email from Heather Messer of Odessa, Washington. Hi, Matt. Thanks so much for this podcast. My family will be taking our first ever Royal Caribbean cruise on Independence of the Seas this December, and we can't wait. We've listened to so many episodes as we prepare for our great adventure being first-time cruisers. Your podcast has been invaluable. From packing to embarkation to excursions, we've learned so much and feel prepared for a grand vacation. It'll be my husband, me, and our 12- and 16-year-old sons. My question is regarding debarkation day. 
Our flight doesn't leave until 4.30. Looking at Royal Caribbean's website, a Florida Everglades tour plus airport transfer is an option. Have you ever used this option? Seems like a decent way to kill a little time and still get ourselves to and our luggage to the airport. Your thoughts? Is this a less expensive way than taking in a couple last-minute Florida sites and getting ourselves and our luggage to the airport? Thanks in advance for any advice. This is a great question, Heather. Royal Caribbean will offer in almost every cruise I've ever been on, and I'm sure pretty much all cruises out there, they're going to offer debarkation day excursions. So if you're in Port Canaveral, you're going to have excursions that'll go to usually like the NASA Space Center, right? Cape Kennedy and doing all that kind of stuff there. And certainly in South Florida here, you can do the Florida Everglades tour. New York, you're going to have excursions. In Cape Liberty, you'll have excursions to New York City. You get the idea. There's all those kinds of things because... There's two reasons. Number one, people have fleet flights like you do, and also some people stay later, you know, maybe stay another day or two. My suggestion is, obviously, if you're booking with Royal Caribbean, the excursion, it gives you convenience and certainly peace of mind that you're going to be on a schedule that's going to bring you back to the airport in time for your departure. There, The thing is, of course, you could probably do everything you're going to be seeing there on your own with the aid of a rental car. What I would do, Heather, is at least price shop and look what a rental car is going to cost you. And figure that out in terms of, you know, is that going to be a better value? Now, the advantage of going on a tour is it's all kind of organized for you and you don't have to worry too much about it. I will say, though, that the excursion may not leave your debarkation until perhaps maybe a little bit later than if you were doing it on your own, if that makes any sense. But I wouldn't say that's necessarily a, a reason to not to book it. It's kind of what's your comfort level. There's a lot to do in South Florida. You've got everything in Fort Lauderdale. You've got the city of Miami. You have, obviously, the Florida Everglades. You even have stuff north of you. You know, you, There's shopping. There's beaches. There's a lot you can choose from. So I guess what I'm trying to say is be aware there are a lot of things you can easily do on your own. But you're wholeheartedly dependent, obviously, on transportation options. And a rental car would be the first place I would look. Taxis, unless you're going to do something that's really just going to be one way there and one way back, I wouldn't necessarily count on that. You know, if, if your idea is like you're just going to go to the beach and you're going to sit at the beach for, you know, eight hours, then go to the to the airport. Hey, that's fine. And then a taxi probably might actually be more economical for you. But I think odds are a rental car might not will be actually the best solution for you to check out. So check that out. And, of course, compare that to the price of what Royal Caribbean's giving you with that Everglades tour. Hey, maybe it's going to be end up being cheaper or a wash, and you just feel more comfortable going with Royal Caribbean, so you can go that route. So hopefully that gives you a little bit of insight there, Heather. Thank you for the email. And our last email this week is coming to us from Jay White, who writes, Matt plus Flowrider equals podcast about the infirmary. <laughs> By the way, I love that you were doing Periscope. <laughs> Jay, you're 100% right. It's funny because I asked... Anna early in the episode, she did the flow rider, and I always ask people if they do it because I am, look, I freely admit I am the most uncoordinated human on earth that is not a crawling baby. I just, I don't have coordination. I've never was born with it. I'm a geek. <laughs> kind of goes hand in hand with it, right? And I kind of, basically the story I always tell is I did the ripcord by iFly on Quantum of the Seas. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to so cool. And I did it, and I got in there, and I crashed. <laughs> and then I realized, you know, physical activities requiring coordination, not Matt's forte. Drinking a lot of doozies and taking naps by the pool, definitely Matt's forte. So I think I'm going to avoid the flow rider for right now, although I do enjoy watching it quite a bit. And also, Jay, thank you so much for mentioning the Periscope. Periscope, for those who aren't aware, is a smartphone app that allows you to essentially watch or broadcast live streaming. It's free, easy to use, and we do a lot of live broadcasts on Periscope where I will broadcast various things. Usually we're just talking real creepy together. So if you ever want to follow me on there, I would love for you to do that. We are the RCL blog 
on Periscope. You can follow us there. And while I'm mentioning social media, it's also important to note that you can also follow us on Twitter. We're uh, the RCL blog on Twitter. So same handle for Twitter and Periscope. And for Facebook, we're facebook.com slash Royal Caribbean blog. And if you'd like to have your emails read here on the podcast, I'd love to have that. I love the emails. It's, I say it every week, and it's very much true. It's my favorite part of the podcast. Send me an email to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. M-A-T-T at royalcaribbeanblog.com. And hey, we'll read your email. And, you know, whether you've got a comment, a question, maybe you're correcting something, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> I love it all because we get a chance to talk Royal Caribbean together. So good stuff all around, and I, I appreciate everyone listening in. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.